0: Hey folks, Andy Patton here. Four Zags were invited to the NBA Draft Combine, which is taking place next week. We discuss what that means for their draft prospects and their chances of returning to Gonzaga in the first segment. Then we recap some of the big moves going down in the WCC via the transfer portal. And we finish the week with a Fan Story Friday jam packed episode, all right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag Athletics. I also want to thank all of you who have continued to make Locked On Zags your first listen of the day and remind you all that you can check the show out on YouTube as well. Just go to YouTube.com, search Locked On Zags, and hit that subscribe button. gets you access to every piece of content that comes out for the Locked On Zags podcast. All right, four Zags have been invited to the NBA Draft Combine. Not a real shock here. The full list was reported by multiple people, including Shams Charania of The Athletic. That is where I saw it. Chet Holmgren, Drew Timmy, Julian Strother, Andrew Nembhard. Those are the four Zags who have been invited to the NBA Draft Combine. Again, the Combine is just an event for draft hopefuls to have to show up to work out in front of teams and scouts and general managers and so on and so forth. So of course, anybody who has a fairly good chance of getting selected in the NBA draft gets invited. I believe there was over 60 people invited. I think it was like 72, somewhere between like the mid 60s to 70 or so in there. So obviously some guys who got invited who are not going to get drafted, likely some guys who are going to get drafted who weren't invited in the first place. That's just the nature of how drafts work, especially since we're more than six weeks away. So lots of chances for guys to potentially move their draft stock up or down in the coming weeks. For the Zags, I think the only particularly noteworthy thing here, there's obviously no surprise that Chad Holmgren got invited. There's no real surprise that Timmy and Strother got invited. Andrew Nembhard getting invited is not a shock either, although it doesn't really say anything about whether or not he's coming back because Andrew Nembhard cannot come back. He does not have the ability to make that decision because it was his third time declaring for the NBA draft. I sincerely hope Andrew Nembhard gets drafted or at least gets signed, but there's not really anything we can glean from his potential ability to return or not. However... That is not the case for the fifth Zag. There was five, as many as five, who could have been invited to the Combine. Only four were invited. The fifth who was not is, of course, graduate transfer guard Rasir Bolton. Bolton does have a year of eligibility remaining because of the rules surrounding the COVID-19 season and how that went down. So Bolton could return to Gonzaga. He did not enter his name in the transfer portal. So at this point, his options are effectively play professionally, come back to Gonzaga, that's it. He could, he could still enter his name in the portal because he's a grad transfer. I believe that he would be able to apply for a waiver and potentially play right away. I do not think that that situation is happening or particularly worth exploring. Bolton is either playing professionally or he's playing at Gonzaga. My primary assumption throughout the offseason since the season ended has been that Rasir Bolton is not coming back. However, there's been some some rumors, some rumblings, some things kind of out in the out in the lithosphere that indicate that it's at least possible that Bolton would come back. He obviously loved his time in Spokane. He had an incredibly successful season, so his performance on the court was as good as it's ever been, and he was dang good at Penn State, and he was dang good at Iowa State, too, but From an efficiency perspective, he was the best he's ever been at Gonzaga. He was playing a more complimentary role, but it really allowed him to excel at the things that he excels at, which is outside shooting and getting out in transition and scoring out on the fast break. He's also a much better defensive player than he was advertised prior to coming to Gonzaga, probably a product of getting to play more of a complementary role on that end of the floor as well. But I don't think that fans should necessarily operate with the assumption that Rasier Bolton is gone, which is what I had been doing up to this point. It sounds like there's a fairly reasonable chance that he comes back. Now, that is going to sh- depend on a lot of other factors. We've heard the Zags are strongly connected to a pair of transfer targets in Tyrese Hunter, who's coming from Bolton's old school Iowa State, as well as Kevin McCullough from Texas A&M. Both of those guys, or excuse me, Texas Tech, both of those guys, if they were to come to Gonzaga, would l- probably make it less likely that Rasir Bolton is going to return. The-, the guard room is already pretty full. At this point, we know that Nolan Hickman and Hunter Salas are coming back. They're taking on very big roles next year after playing more limited roles as freshmen last year. Dominic Harris missed all of last season with an injury. He is expected to be healthy and a significant contributor for this team next season. And then again, if Tyrese Hunter, if Kevin McCullough, if either of those guys were to come to Gonzaga, that is pretty much your entire guard room. Now, the Zags could play much more three-guard lineups next season. It's something we saw a fair amount from them this year, but because they had three bigs that they wanted to play pretty consistently in Drew Timmy, Chet Holmgren, and Anton Watson, we rarely saw lineups with three guards and a forward a la the 2020 2021 Zags, where they pretty much always ran three guards and Corey Kispert at the four. I thought we'd see more of that last year with Julian Strother at the four and then three guards in the game. I'm guessing they probably would have done that more had Dominic Harris been healthy, but him not being in the game and Chet and Drew obviously being such incredibly significant parts of what Gonzaga was doing on both ends of the floor last season, it made more sense to run some more traditional two guard one forward in Julian Strother, and then two big lineups. So we'll see kind of how this shakes out for the Zags going forward. Uh, Drew Timmy and Julian Strother are obviously significant question marks for this roster. Both of these players have the ability to return. The Zags getting both of them back makes them national championship contenders. Once again, next season, the Zags getting neither of these guys back, they're still going to be good. Don't get me wrong, but they're going to have some— if they don't get either of those guys back, then it's imperative— that one of, at least one of Tyrese Hunter or Kevin McCullough comes to Gonzaga. They don't play the same positions necessarily. Both of them are more traditional ball handling guards. But if neither Strother or Timmy comes back, the Zags need to get talent on this roster. They can figure out how they're going to put all the pieces together at a later time. But right now, the, the primary goal should just be to figure out how to get as many talented players in a Gonzaga uniform as possible, because we don't know what's going to happen with uh, with Drew Timmy, with Julian Strother. We know Chad Holmgren's gone. We know Andrew Nembhard's gone. We're not sure what's going on with the other two guys. And frankly, we're not sure what's going on with Roz Bolton either. So there's three guys who are kind of all up in the air right now, as well as the two transfer targets in Hunter and McCollar. And of course, there's a whole lot of other transfers out there too. The Zags have kind of narrowed in on those two these two guys and that's who we've been talking about a lot on this podcast, but there are a whole there's a pretty good chance that somebody will be on Gonzaga's roster next season that we haven't talked about on this podcast, that the fans are not thinking about. Roz Bolton committed to Gonzaga very late in the kind of portal era. Last season, Brian Woolridge, Admon Gilder were late additions to Gonzaga's roster. Like, this stuff doesn't all happen right away. And obviously, Efton Reed is the first big fish to fry for the Zags this offseason, but he probably won't be the last. Whether it's Hunter, whether it's McCullough, whether it's somebody else, I don't think Gonzaga is done adding to their roster. And I don't think that the G League com, or excuse me, the, the NBA draft combine is necessarily any indication that Drew Timmy is more or less likely to leave. That Julian Strother is more or less likely to leave. These guys are always going to get invited to this event. This is always going to be what happens. If you are a player that is occasionally showing up on mock drafts, if you are a player that the general population thinks, hey, there's a decent chance that that guy is going to get drafted, then you're probably going to go and get invited to the NBA Draft Combine. So I don't think this necessarily says anything about those guys in particular. It's not great news for Roz Bolton. uh, If he was really hoping to find himself getting selected on draft day, which I'm sure that he was, uh, this is kind of a a bit of a bummer for him. Whether it means he's more likely to come back is not something that I feel confident making a prediction on just yet, but I don't think it hurts. I don't think it hurts uh, his decision-making with regards to whether he's going to return to Gonzaga or not couple other WCC related things with regards to the NBA before we get more into what's going on around the conference. Uh, The only other WCC player to be invited to the NBA draft combine outside of the four zags was Jalen Williams from Santa Clara. And I want to talk a little bit about Jalen Williams because he is getting all sorts of buzz right now. He is very legitimately considered a first round pick at this point, which would be a very, very cool feather in the cap for what was a phenomenal season all across the WCC last year. You know, Kessler Edwards got selected last year in the second round. It was the first time in a while that a non Zag BYU St. Mary's player was actually selected. In the NBA draft. It's been a long time since somebody from any of the other schools was selected. He was, Kessler Edwards was. Now, Jalen Williams almost certainly going to break that or going to continue that streak of non big three WCC schools having a player selected in the draft. Williams got measured with a seven foot two wingspan. For those of you who remember watching Jalen Williams, he was a combo guard outstanding outside shooter, a very 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 good spot-up shooter, a very very good three-point shooter, good at getting to the rim, just a well-rounded offensive player who showed promise on defense. And now you're talking about a guy who's 6-6 with a 7-foot-2 wingspan who can shoot it like that. So it's pretty clear why he is getting attention as a first-round pick. I'm excited for him. I'm excited to see where where the draft takes him, where his career ends up going, because I think he's really, really talented and the kind of guy who could really help put a school like Santa Clara on the map going forward. And then the last one, Jamari Bouie was not – invited to the NBA Draft Combine. He is participating in the G League Invitational. However, there's a handful of players who probably would have gotten invited to the NBA Draft Combine had they not already committed to go to the G League Invitational. Bouye is in that camp. We've already seen Jamari Bouye work out with the Hawks. He's worked out with the Los Angeles Lakers. I think he's worked out with a couple of teams already as well. Whether he gets drafted is not something I feel super confident in saying. My guess is is that he probably will not get drafted, but he will get signed immediately after the draft, much like Joel E.I. did last season, because he's just that talented of a player. We're going to have way, way more talk about the NBA draft as it gets closer. This is just a primer. We're going to go through each individual player, talk about their draft profile, their strengths, their weaknesses, so on and so forth as we get into June. But for now, we're going to table that conversation. We're going to come back in the second segment. We're going to look... At the player movement going down in the WCC, there was a flurry of players added to WCC rosters. What does that mean for the league heading into next season? Before we get there, though, let's talk about Bilt Bar. Summer is coming, and with the summer, you're going to need some food on the go. Bilt Bars are the perfect snack to take with you on family vacations. Throw them in your bags, in your kids' backpacks. Make sure that everyone has a bar so you are fueled for your summer adventures. The best part about Bilt Bars, they're healthy and delicious. No more sacrificing delicious food for health. With Built Bar, you can have both. Have you tried the Built Puffs yet? We are going crazy for the Puffs. They come in crazy flavors like banana cream pie and even churro. Who doesn't want a protein bar that tastes like a churro? And they're only 140 calories. Sign me up. If that's not enough flavor for you, then you might want to try the Mixed Box. The Mixed Box comes with 12 flavors of bars and puffs. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Go to Bilt.com to get all of your favorites. Banana cream pie, raspberry, double chocolate, and so many more. They're all delicious, and new flavors are coming out all the time. Go to Bilt.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Bilt.com. All right, segment two, still Andy Patton, still locked on Zags. And we're still talking WCC hoops. We're taking a look at the last 10 or so days of action in the conference. A ton of big additions via the transfer portal. It's going to change the way the league looks significantly next season. We'll start with the Dons of the University of San Francisco. The biggest news for them was not a new player getting added, but the return for Khalil Shabazz. Shabazz. Announced after the season he was planning to stick around at San Francisco for his final year of eligibility. And then he somewhat suddenly entered the transfer portal after a few weeks of being stagnant at USF. It looked like he was primed to either potentially follow his former head coach, Todd Golden, Down to the University of Florida, or maybe he was going to head home to Seattle. He's a Seattle native, Rainier Beach High School kid. Maybe he was going to go to the University of Washington and play at that level. But instead, Shabazz decided to make an announcement saying that he's not, in fact, going anywhere. He is going to stay at the University of San Francisco. That's a huge get for the Dons. They... Obviously already lost Jamari Bouye. They lost um, had Misalski. They lost a lot of talent from last year's roster. Bouye alone is a significant loss. They also, of course, lost their coach, Todd Golden. So there was a lot of thought that maybe USF would kind of plummet back down. I never really bought fully into that. A, their complimentary pieces were very talented last year, and B, USF hasn't been at the bottom of the WCC for decades. So like people are like, "Oh, they're going to they're going to be last in the WCC again." It's like they were they were never last. This was never really where they were. They were always like fourth, fifth, sixth, somewhere in that range. And then last year they kind of made a strong push forward and brought the bottom of the conference up significantly with how they played. But this isn't like a bottom – this isn't the story that Portland has where they went from literally the bottom to being a more mid-level team. USF has always been one of the better teams in the conference. And that's going to be the case again next year. Shabazz averaged about 14 points, three and a half boards, two assists last year. He's really, really talented player, and he's going to be back for another year with the Dons. I'm excited for him. I'm excited for USF. I think this keeps them pretty pretty well within the conversation for one of the better teams in the conference. And beyond that, they also added Marcus Williams. They didn't just get Shabazz. They also added a young man who's transferring from Texas A&M, but he actually began his college career at Wyoming. And when he was at Wyoming, he was the Mountain West freshman of the year during the 2020-2021 season. He averaged 15 points just over four assists and two and a half rebounds per game. He didn't do as well at AM. He transferred to, to Texas AM after one year at Wyoming, averaged eight points and three and a half assists for AM, which is still not bad uh, by any stretch of the imagination. But he was less efficient from three, just didn't quite have as good of a season. Now he's looking for his third team in three years. It's gonna be in San Francisco. He's gonna replace Jamari Bouye in the starting lineup. Those are really, really big shoes to fill. But the team is also bringing back Jordan Rishway bringing back Gabe Stefanini, their two backup guards from last year. So a guard rotation of exactly the same as last year, Shabazz, Stefanini, and Rishwain, and adding Marcus Williams. If he's anywhere close to the player he was at Wyoming, they're going to be in pretty good shape. It's going to be hard to not uh, be—I'm not going to be too worried about the Dons heading into next year. I think they're still going to be one of the better teams in the conference. Perhaps the biggest upcoming story in the WCC this next season, it looks like, is going to be the Toreros of San Diego. New coach Steve Lavin. Lavin, of course, was the head coach for UCLA from the, I believe, 1996 to 2003. He was also the head coach at St. John's for a while. He's been in the broadcast booth for the last decade or so, now taking back over as a head coach for USD. Super exciting addition to the conference. I'm always a little wary of, like, kind of, retread hires, I guess, in the the WCC. The biggest success stories we've seen in the conference have been like young, hungry coaches, a la Todd Golden or Kyle Smith or Shantae Leggins this past season at UP. Lavin is certainly not that. He's much more of a kind of sunset coach, just kind of going out uh, that way. But he has proven his worth so far in a very significant way. They've made four big additions at University of San Francisco, the two most recent ones are staggering. He added Jaden Delaire from the universe or excuse me from Stanford. This is a huge ad. Delaire was the most improved player in the entire Pac-12 conference during the 2020-2021 season. It was his first year as a starter for the Cardinal, and he blew up. He averaged 12 and a half points. He was one of their best players. During that season, he wasn't quite as good last year. Overall, over the last two years at Stanford, he's averaged 11 points, four boards, and one assist. He's not super consistent. That has been kind of the frustration for Stanford fans regarding Delair, but he's a really talented player. The upside is really high. He's a six foot nine forward who can kind of do a little bit of everything. And now he's landing with the Toreros in San Diego. This is a really big addition. For Steve Lavin's squad, and I think he's going to be one of the best players in the entire conference next year. And right alongside of this, just happened today as I'm recording this on Friday afternoon, or excuse me, Thursday afternoon. They got Eric Williams from the University of Oregon. Williams began his career at Duquesne and then spent the last two years with the Ducks, where he averaged nine points, five boards, and shot 35% from deep. So they got themselves a sharpshooter in Eric Williams, a guy who's Proven he's a a good rebounder and a consistent scorer at high levels. They got Jaden Dallaire, who was, you know, at one time considered one of the most promising young players in the entire Pac-12 conference. They also added Nick Lynch from Lehigh and Deuce Turner from Bucknell. Lynch is a six foot eleven center who averaged 10 and 4 last year and also shot 46% from three. Yes it was a small sample size. He shot less than two threes per game, but the man shot 46% from deep as a six-foot-11 center. That is a wonderful addition to any team at any level, but definitely a huge addition for a team like USD. And then Turner was their other guard from Bucknell. Last year was his first and only season in a collegiate uniform. He only played 11 games for Bucknell because of injuries, so it's a little hard to know exactly how good he's going to be, but In those 11 games, he averaged eight points, two and a half boards, and one and a half assists. So another big addition for Steve Lavin. I'm really excited to see what USD can do next season. I think they have a very realistic chance of competing for a top four spot in the conference. Maybe even top three if things really fall together well for this team. Lavin's got to prove he can do more than just get kids to come to his school, though. He's got to prove he can still coach at this level. And that'll be the interesting thing to see for this team next year. A couple more quick updates Around the WCC, uh, probably the biggest addition outside of Shabazz's return is Rudy Williams for BYU. BYU desperately needed to replace a lot of production from their lineup after losing Caleb Lohner and Gideon George, to the transfer portal, and of course losing Alex Barcelo to, uh, to graduation as well. Excuse me, not Gideon George, Seneca Knight is who left via the transfer portal. Gideon George actually returned. For the cougars but they also added rudy williams and this was the biggest addition for them so far they needed needed a ball dominant score first guard to come in and replace those minutes from alex barcelo that is what they're getting in williams williams started his career at kansas state he played 18 minutes per game for them averaged about five points and two and a half boards then he transferred to coastal carolina and he broke out in a significant way for coastal carolina averaged 15 points four and a half boards three and a half assists one and a half steals. He also shot 45% from deep. The, again, Barcelo was one of the best three-point shooters in the entire country last year. That's a really, really hard player to lose. And BYU went out and got a similar guy. I don't think Williams is quite as dynamic as Barcelo as a shooter, but he's pretty darn good. 45% is going to get it done. So a really nice needed addition for Mark Pope's team. They were starting to look like a team that could fall pretty far. in the the WCC in their final season before moving to the Big 12, but getting a guy like Williams, who has played in the Big 12 before at Kansas State and certainly proved that he's well well worth the investment after his year at Coastal Carolina last year. A couple more small additions. Donovan Williams became the second player from Oklahoma State to transfer to Pacific. Williams only played 15 games in the last two seasons for Oklahoma State, and he only averaged two points per game. But he still comes to Pacific alongside his former teammate Keelan Boone. Keelan Boone averaged six points and three and a half boards for Oklahoma State last year. Very nice for Pacific to add a couple of high major guys to their program. Haven't been the best program in the conference in a while. They've been one of the worst the last few years, but still seeing them add some guys who can come in and give them some good minutes right off the bat is definitely going to help. And then finally, Pepperdine added Bubakar Kulabale from USC. Always nice to see teams poaching guys from big programs like USC and big Pac-12 programs in general. Uh, Kulabale didn't play much for the Trojans. He only played in 21 games over the past two seasons and only averaged about one and a half points per game. But he was a high-level recruit out of high school. He was a 6'11 player with... Really good touch, good feel, and a good shot blocking ability. If Pepperdine and Lorenzo Romar can unlock some of that, he could be a really nice addition for the Waves. All right, we're going to finish out this episode and this week sharing a listener submitted story about their Gonzaga fandom. Before we get there, though, let's talk about Bet Online. The 2022 NCAA tournament is in the books, with the win secured by Bill Self and the Jayhawks of Kansas. While the Zags unfortunately fell short of the game's pinnacle week, that does not mean fans cannot remain in on the action. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, you name it, BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all the leagues this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information needs, Including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today or use your mobile de- device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, segment three. Still Andy Patton, still locked on Zags. And we're closing out the week with a brief note about Gonzaga's baseball team. I always try to talk about them at least once a week. They did not play last week. They had the weekend off in part, I assume, because of Gonzaga's graduation ceremony, which was taking place the same week. So they're hosting Santa Clara this weekend. This is a big series for them. they got seven games left on the docket, three against Santa Clara, one against the University of Oregon on Tuesday, and then three on the road against the Toreros of San Diego. Seven games to, to cement themselves as people who could, as a team who could reasonably host a regional. Right now they're they're on the last line to host a regional with Oregon being the team kind of right below them. So they really need to beat Oregon on Tuesday. That's a really big win for them to pick up and potentially uh, – secure their spot to host a regional before they get there they got to get through santa clara 24 and 22 on the year they're 11 and 13 in conference play they just got swept pretty badly by the pilots of portland over the weekend they did rebound with a win over san jose state this is a really nice weekend for the zags to pick up three straight victories and head into that tuesday game against the ducks with some momentum all right we're going to close the show out like we have The last few weeks, sharing a listener-submitted story. We've been getting so many stories via email, via Twitter DM. Some of you just reaching out to me directly on Twitter, sharing stories of times you've met other Zags, uh, whether it was meeting a player, meeting a a former player, meeting a coach, or just meeting Zags fans. And this is the first story that's kind of in that realm that I really wanted to share. It was a beautiful story from Danielle via Gmail, and I'm just going to read her story directly. She said, I would like to share a story of friendship, one created by Gonzaga fans that share their love of college basketball with one another. In 2017, my dad and I had tickets to the Round of 32 in Salt Lake City to watch Gonzaga play against Northwestern. We left Boise early in the morning and drove over to Salt Lake for the big game. We were so nervous and excited we couldn't eat our lunch, so we headed over to Vivint Arena to get there as the door opens for the game. We rushed to the door carrying our Gonzaga signs, a Karnowski big head, and a Gonzaga flag. As the nice lady scanned our tickets, a low buzz sounded. I knew this couldn't be good. The system was denying my tickets. I immediately was set into a panic. Howard, the nice lady let us enter and said that the tickets may have been double purchased and to go to our seats and wait. My dad and I quickly rushed to our third row seats where we were not going to budge. A few minutes later, we noticed two nice gentlemen sitting in front of us, also Gonzaga fans. We struck up a conversation and the rest was history. We cheered, we gave each other high fives, we took videos of the Karnowski big head, and smiled as Gonzaga soared to a victory. We all stayed for the Arizona vs. St. Mary's game as we cheered for St. Mary's, hoping they would have success in the tournament as a team representing the WCC. Unfortunately, Arizona fans around us did not appreciate our enthusiasm. As the game ended, the nice gentleman, Curtin Mack, walked out of the arena with my dad and I and invited us to an evening out on the town to celebrate. My dad and I accepted and quickly ran back to our hotel room to grab some crocheted Gonzaga hats made by my mom as a gift for our new friends. They were delighted about the gift, and we spent the entire evening sharing Gonzaga pictures and stories. Over the past five years, we have developed a wonderful friendship. We have met one another's spouses, parents, and children. During basketball season, Kurt and I text at least three times a week, keeping each other up to date on the current games and Gonzaga news. We have traveled around the West Coast, meeting up at games in Boise, Salt Lake, Seattle, Portland, San Jose, Phoenix, and Las Vegas. Gonzaga basketball is more than just a sport. It's a way for humans to connect in a positive way to form long-lasting friendships and share their passion of basketball. Gonzaga basketball is a platform for gaining experiences where you can interact with complete strangers by sharing a strong passion and love for the sport. These interactions can enrich your life by creating new friendships. I'm grateful to have met Kurt and Mac for the the ability to travel across the West Coast following our Zags. Thank you, Zag fans. You are truly the best in the country. Go Zags. I got to be honest, I don't have anything else to add to this story. It's a wonderful story and a fantastic way to end the week. So that's what I'm going to do. That is going to do it for me today and for this week. Of course, Mailbag Monday coming up next week. Got a couple of exciting guests lined up as well. Should be another great week on Locked On Zags. You can find Locked On Zags wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find it on YouTube as well. Go to YouTube.com, search Locked On Zags, and if you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. Finally, thank you again for those of you who have made Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. Make sure to go check out Locked On NBA Big Board. Host Raphael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies and author of the NBA Big Board newsletter is joined by Richard Stamen, Sam Ferris, and Leif Thulin giving fans an in-depth look into the NBA draft, the mock draft process, player rankings, and, of course, big boards. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags.